Jesus said uh, two things happen when we receive Holy Communion. And I think we've even gotten away from, from that phrase, Holy Communion. You know, we call it communion. Or, but man, it's holy. And it's sacred. And it's one of the great sacraments of the church. Um, along with water baptism. And along with marriage. Uh, we believe that communion is one of the sacred, really, blessings and institutions of the church that we get to celebrate as believers. And so this is... This is sacred. I I would encourage you to, by the way, you can do this at home. Grab a piece of bread, grab the drink of your choice and, and take a moment. Even if it's at mealtime, you know, that is the reason we bless the food and pray for the food is not because, you know, you think I'm going to get sick at McDonald's. We do it because it's a moment of breaking bread and remembering what the Lord has done. And so, but this is, this is beautiful. This is sacred. And Jesus said, when you do this, two things are happening. First of all, we look back and we remember what he's done. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We remember what the Lord has done. But then we look forward to his return. So when we receive communion in our present, we are remembering what he's done. and We're looking forward to what he's about to do. And then Paul said something so interesting that I think for many of us we've, we've confused. And he said, he said, many of you don't understand the power of communion. And because of it, many of you are sick and die prematurely. Now, he's not saying that just because flippantly they grabbed communion and God zapped them. Okay. He's saying, if you knew the power of this moment, Jesus could heal your body right now. Man, I feel it right now, even when I'm talking about it. He's saying, when you remember the Lord in this way, there is a supernatural power that's released. It's the same way that we don't believe marriage is a contract. We believe there's a supernatural covenant that takes place, right? We don't believe that when you get water baptized, you do it for tradition. We believe something supernatural is happening. And in communion, we don't do this out of tradition. We believe something supernatural is happening. You know, now, and and our, our Catholic brothers and sisters, they literally believe that you know, there is something really happening as they're partaking literally the body of Jesus. I don't, obviously we don't maybe go that far, but I would say this. I think Christians have missed how powerful this is, right? Because once a month in churches, we grab one of these, we pop it and it's cool and modern now, right? And, it, and it's like, and we just miss, this is sacred. And I believe God honors it when we do it in a, in a spirit of worship, a spirit of gratitude. I don't know what you need tonight but I know that your needs were met on the cross. And in a moment, you're going you're gonna to put this in your mouth and your teeth are going to crush this piece of bread. And you know, that happened on the cross as he was crushed, as he was whipped, as he was beaten, as he was... And as, as, it's, as it's happening, literally as you're partaking it, can you just think about the fact that he was rejected so we could be accepted. He was made poor that we could be made rich. He on his back took on our sickness and took on our disease. Just think about it. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? So that we could look up and say, my father, my father, how have you loved me so greatly? This is a beautiful moment. He who knew no sin became sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is powerful.
So just hold that in your hand for one moment and just close your eyes. Jesus, we thank you for the broken body. Thank you for paying our debt on the cross. In Jesus' name, go ahead and receive that. Thank you, Lord. And then go ahead and grab the, the juice. He said, in the same manner, we do this. We remember what's been done. Hebrews chapter 9 tells us, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. God said, Adam and Eve, if you, if you sin, you're going to die. And they sinned. And they, in that moment, literally performed high treason against their creator. And in that moment, spiritually, they did pass. They began a process of death in the earth. But as soon as they sinned, what did they do? Does anybody remember? They went and found fig leaves, right? And they covered themselves. Because that is religion. I'm going to cover it. I'm going to get better. God, I'll never do it again. It's not running to God. It's running back to your own strength. When your own strength, I think, proved that we can't do it. So God said, why are you wearing fig leaves? And they said, well, we're naked. And God said, who told you you're naked? So what did he do? He then killed an animal. And he covered them. Obviously, we believe that animal was probably a lamb. What was Jesus' last miracle on the earth? He looked at a fig tree and he said, you spirit of religion, you self-righteous thing, you condemnation that could never help anybody, could never cover anybody, could never set anybody free. I curse you. And he said, you'll never bear fruit again. So now we don't run to the fig tree of religion to try to cover ourselves and try to, no, no, no. Because that thing's cursed. Religion is cursed. It'll, it won't get you anywhere. And what do we do? We, the Bible says now, clothing yourself in Christ, the righteousness of God. So as we receive the blood tonight, we remember that we can't do it. But he did it. Just hold that in your hand for one moment. Thank you, Jesus, that you shed your blood. That man could not crucify spirit, so you took on flesh took on the form of man not considering equality with God even something to be grasped but becoming a servant dying a death even a death on a cross and now because of that death on the cross God has highly exalted you and given you a name that is above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father thank you Jesus Go ahead and receive that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Can you say amen, everybody? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to do something just in this spirit of faith. I want you to grab your Christmas invitations, your uh, your cards there. I don't know what to do with the cup. I'm a church planner and didn't talk to anyone about what to do with it. So just put it on the floor and we'll throw them away after. Pass them to some, pass them to someone who looks responsible. Can you, uh, be, before you're seated, unless you have to sit, but if before you're seated, can you grab these? Can you grab these? Grab these in your hand. And we're going to pray. 
Next week is very significant. It has nothing to do with my ego. I'm not trying to fill up the Smith Center twice so that I can pat myself on the back. Um, I begged my wife, can we just do one service? And she said, no, I think people are going to respond. I think we need two services. So that's what we're doing. Um, They say that from Thanksgiving to Christmas, think about this, Thanksgiving to Christmas, 30 days, more people will commit suicide in this window than the rest of the year combined. Did y'all just hear me? From Thanksgiving to Christmas, more people will commit suicide in our nation than the rest of the year combined. People need hope, friend. People need hope. Come on, people need hope. Can I get an amen? Maybe you're here tonight, you're going, I need hope. Well, you came to the right place. You don't know what one invitation could do. Five invitations. Barna Group tells us that 53% of, of your world will come to church if you invite them to church. That means that two to three people will come with you to church if you'll just invite them out of this five. What if you invite 10? What if you invite 20? 53% of the people you invite to church will come with you, Christian or not. I want you to pray. We're going to pray for these right now. That God would anoint them. That your friends would grab it and something would hit their spirit and go, yeah, I need to go with you. Wow, yeah, that's a great idea. Church on a Monday night. Sounds great, makes sense. Let's do it. So can we pray in faith? Can you just hold this before the Lord? And uh, if you pray, go ahead and pray with me. If you if you can pray in English, Spanish, tongues, French, Portuguese, anything you got. I'll take any I'll take any language of faith right now. Pray with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just pray for these. We remember Acts 19. Lord, we remember that Paul laid hands on handkerchiefs. He prayed for them, anointed them with oil, sent them out, and when they touched sick bodies, they were healed. When they touched the oppressed, they were set free. When they touched the lost, they knew that they needed God. And Lord, in the same way, we, we lay hands on these in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that there's a God factor on these invitations, that when people receive this invitation, Holy Spirit, you're going to prick their heart. You're going to stir their heart. You're going you're to let them know that this is supernatural and not just natural. And Father, we pray for people who are contemplating suicide during this season. People who are thinking about giving up and running, leaving their families or leaving, their, leaving just their world or, or, or running for a different state or a different city or, or even ending their life in the name of Jesus. I pray that this invitation would arrest them. And they would know that they need to get in the house of God. And on on December 18th, the Smith Center would turn into something altogether different. Not a house of entertainment. And not a place just to watch a show. But it will become Bethel. The house of God where angels ascend and descend. And they will say, this is the house of the Lord. And I didn't even know it. And we thank you for it. In Jesus name. Can you say amen? And amen. Give me one big amen everybody. Come on. Hallelujah. Look at three people around you before you're seated. Tell them I'll see you next week. Tell them that I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Luke chapter 9. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came and said, send the crowds away. Think about that. And church people are just crazy. Are they not crazy? Send them away. To the nearby villages and farms so they can find some food and lodging for the night. There's nothing to eat here and this is a remote place. 
Jesus said, you feed him. Hello. But we only have five loaves of bread. We only got two fish. Are you expecting us to go buy food for this whole crowd? There was about 5,000 men. If you had women and children, we're easily pushing 20,000. Jesus replied, tell them to sit in groups of 50. Everybody say structure. structure. Say it again, say structure. structure. I don't really like organized religion. I don't really have a home church. I'm the body of Christ. No, you need structure. <laughs> Government only flows in structure. Glory only flows in structure. The life of a river can only flow within its banks. Well, I don't need a pastor. I'm a priest under God. Well, okay. But if you want to be part of a miracle, you need some structure. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and fish. He looked up towards heaven. He blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and and fish to the disciples. Notice he gave it to the disciples, not to the people. There's a lot of people who need a miracle in our city. And Jesus is not going to give it to them. He's going to give it to us to give to them. Why did he do it that way? I don't know, but that's how God does what he does. He gave the disciples the bread. He gave the disciples the fish to distribute it to the people. So they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. I want to talk for a few minutes from our, it's kind of the theme of our leadership and it's kind of the the theme of our leadership culture. Head up, eyes open, heart engaged. Head up, eyes open, heart engaged. Let's all say that together. Everyone say head up. What is it? Eyes open, (laughs) heart engaged. I almost went heart open. Okay. We're going to do that one more time because I got to stop fasting on Mondays, by the way. I can't do a thing. Jay, I need to fast on Tuesdays and Eat a steak before I preach on Mondays. We're going to try that again. We're going to take that one out of the podcast. Here we go. Head up. Eyes open. Heart engaged. Lord, help the preacher tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Point number one, head up. Hmm. Head down people and head down disciples saw the people as a problem to be solved. Oh, man, I'm already preaching. Okay, this is is we're going to move quick tonight. Head down people, not head up people, but head down people see other people as a problem to be solved. Jesus, send these people away. I mean, what are we going to do? We're going to buy food for them? They, They saw the crowds as a problem. They saw the crowds as just an issue. As the great Eugene Peterson said, the the man who, who wrote the message Bible, he said, the poor are not a problem to be solved, but a people to join. Vegas is not a problem to be solved. It is a city to join into. Oh, this city is so dark and it's, it is so windy and now it's cold and in the summer it's hot. Then move. Because you're not helping. Because this city is not a problem to be solved. It is a people to love. It is a people to serve. Come on, somebody. It is a people to help. It is a people to hold hands with and say, come on, let's do this thing together. There's a better way to live. And his name is Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Amen. I don't want to be a head down leader that whenever there's opportunity, I can't see it because I think of it as a problem. I think it as something to just, Lord, send it away. Head up leaders... 
Never send people away. Now, here's what's amazing about it. The disciples never even went to Jesus and said, Jesus, we got 5,000 men. We got hungry kids and we got hungry mamas. What would you like to do? There was, there was never possibility thinking. They couldn't see that, man, it's late at night. We got 20,000 people in front of us. Oh, man, this is going to be good. Jesus is about to do something great. I mean, if he could turn water into wine, what is he about to do? Turn up. This is going to be amazing. No, no, no. They couldn't see. They couldn't see the possibility. They saw it as a problem and said, Jesus, get them, get, get them out of here. And now notice this. They had a plan before they ever went to Jesus. And the plan was to get rid of the people they were called to minister to. And y'all, if we're not careful, we will become the same kind of church. We will become a head down church that judges Vegas and judges our nation and, and vents on Facebook. How many times can you vent on Facebook? I don't care if you're liberal or, or Republican or, or any of the, or, or confused or, 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 or bipolar, whatever you decide to be on a day. Listen, I, I, this, is not some, this is not a problem to be solved. We'll let, the, we'll let the politicians try to solve it. They're not doing a very good job. Hello. But we're going to be the church that does not see this as a problem to be solved. The city that is just a problem and we're just here to fix the city. I'm not here to fix the city. I'm not here to change the city. I'm not, definitely not here to judge the city. But rather I'm here to help the city, serve the city, love the city and say, how can I be a blessing? How can I shine my light? How can I be salt and light even in Las Vegas. Now notice this. They already had a plan before they ever went to Jesus. And the plan. Is just to get rid of them. Their head was down. And they refused to see. The miracle that was beginning. Friend maybe you can't see the miracle. That is surrounding you. Because your head's down. Your head is down in judgment. Your head is down in condemnation. Your head is down in problem thinking and not possibility thinking. Your, your head is down and you, and you cannot see that you are literally surrounded by an opportunity to see Jesus move. It is so easy to see the issue and try to push it away. Try to pray it away. <laughs> Ask Jesus to send it away. Fix it, Jesus. <laughs> And we can get caught in this. We run from pain and we run from pressure and we run from the press of life. And yet it's there where real ministry happens and where real needs can be met. I want it easy. Then you ain't going to help anybody. I don't, I don't want this pressure. Then we're not going to make an impact. I'm telling you, there's a pressure, there's a crowd, there's a thing. There, all of this is happening and, and I don't want to run from it. I want to run to it. I don't want to be like the people who saw that broken man that was beat up and, and the priests left him and the religious people left him. But then there was this one good Samaritan that ran to the pain, ran to the hurt, ran to the brokenness. I want to be like that good Samaritan. I want to run to it, not away from it. I don't want to talk about it. I want to be about it. I don't want to look down on it. I think even the way our city is built, we're in this bowl and it's so easy to just hang out in the burbs and look down there. How bad it is. Let's go down in there. 
Let, let's, let's go. Let's help somebody. Let's encourage somebody. Let's pray for somebody. Let's lead somebody to Jesus. I don't want to be a head down leader that sees people as a problem to be solved. No, I want to be a head up leader that sees the possibility of, man, what could God do in Las Vegas? Wow, the sixth most unchurched city in America. Nobody's coming to church. I mean, churches aren't growing in this city. Churches aren't thriving. Wow, what an opportunity. Man, maybe we can be one of the first. Maybe this can all, maybe, maybe an open heaven can break through over our city. Maybe other churches will begin to grow. Maybe God's going to hear our prayers. Come on. Maybe God's going to hear our worship. Maybe God's going to respond to our preaching and our service and our love. And maybe this city is going to be turned around for the glory of God. Just maybe. Their head was down and they were trying to shoo away the people. They said, Jesus, we need to get rid of them. I love Jesus' response. Here's number two. Eyes open. Jesus said, you feed them. Verse 13. You feed them. Elbow your neighbor, say, feed them, feed them, feed them. Not them, M. Feed them, feed them, feed them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, you got to get a little attitude here. Jesus said, you feed them. Uh Their eyes were shut to the possibility of Jesus using their life. Eyes open leaders are looking for possibilities. What can be done? What can we do? What God can what God what can God do in this city? What 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 miracles can God release for for our church and for our life and for my marriage. And I don't want to just close my eyes to it and, and, and be like an ostrich that just puts my head in the sand and tries to ignore that anything. No, 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 I want to be an eyes open leader. Jesus said, You feed them. Look for the opportunity. Look for ways to get involved. Look for the miracle in the masses. Looking for what Jesus can do in the middle of the crowd. Jesus said, you feed him. And you know what they said? They said, all we got is this little piece of bread and these couple pieces of fish. Immediately, they're back to lack. They're back to negativity. What do you, how do you respond, friend? How do you respond to a word from God? How do you respond to God's word? How do you respond to the, to the miracle possibilities that are found in this book? If Jesus said we can feed them, then Jesus has a plan to feed them. Woo! Come on, give the Lord a clap real quick. Come on, I, I feel this happening. If God gives you a word, God has a plan. And a lot of times, God doesn't have to give you the plan and the word. He can just give you the word. Because he wants to know if you'll take the initial step of faith. It's scary. It's freaky. It's OMG. It's a knot in your stomach. And by the way, you know, I was thinking about this. I heard Bishop Jake say this, and I, I can't get rid of it. He said, yes, God has not given us the spirit of fear. You know, He hasn't given us the spirit of fear. But fear is a natural thing. And he said, so many times we're running from the fear. We're running from the pit in our stomach. We're running from risk. We're running from opportunity. We're running from the pain. And he said, man, run towards the knot in your stomach. Run towards the possibility. Run towards the, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I told you about Kyle and Jamie. They just moved here. By faith. No promises. Getting jobs. Making it happen. They're running towards it. There's a, a beautiful couple here tonight. 
This is Philip and Hannah. They flew in from Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, yeah, I don't know why we're giving Birmingham a shout out, but I mean, oh, you're from Alabama. Yeah, yeah, okay. Woo, woo. Okay, yeah, yeah. Roll tight. So, uh, Philip, Philip found me on Instagram and said, I, I feel like maybe God's leading me to come to Vegas. So you know what I said? I said, then get on a plane and prove it. And they got on a plane. Can y'all stand up real quick? And, and we don't know what God has for them yet. But I'll tell you what, if they move out here, it's going to be a step of faith. They're going to have to find jobs. They're going to have to believe God. They're going to have to, and I'm saying run towards it. They're, they're going to be newlyweds. They're, they're engaged right now. They're going to be newlyweds. I'm like, run away from mom and dad. They're only going to, they're not going to help your marriage. Come on, somebody get along and make love till you get along. Come on, somebody. That's how my wife and I, my wife and I couldn't have been married in our early days with mom and dad around because my mom, I mijo, she's evil, mijo, come home, mijo. But we were in, we had to swing it out. We had to make it happen. So I'm telling them, come on out to Vegas. And they're, and they're, and they're, 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 they're seeing what God has for them. Glory a Dios. Hallelujah. Glory a Dios. Jesus said, feed them. And they immediately go, well, how are we going to do? We don't have this kind of money. We don't have enough food and we can't go buy it. We can't afford to feed 20,000 people. When Jesus said, you feed them, they said, well, how are we going to do it? What, what, what do you got planned? How are you going to make it happen? We saw what you did with the water. We saw how you've calmed wind and waves. We've saw how you've raised the dead. We've saw how you've healed the sick. What, what's your plan, Jesus? I mean, they should have been so full of excitement. Jesus said, Javen, go to Vegas and plant a church. No money, no, pos- no, no promises, no opportunity, no nothing. Go to Vegas, start a church. And I said, all right, let's, here, okay. <laughs> How are we going to do this, Lord? <laughs> Friend, I'm telling you that Jesus has a word for your life, for your business, for your marriage, for your future. Don't, don't look for the lack that is all around you. That's obvious. Look for the possibility that Jesus is planning. Say, Lord, if you've given me the word, I know you got a plan. Write that down. If you got a promise, God has a plan. If he gave you a promise, he has a plan. Now, they don't, they don't come at the same time. They never come at the same time because that wouldn't require faith. Jesus never says, hey, guys, you're going to feed them. Here's how we're going to do it. We're gonna... No, no, no. There's no faith in that. He says, feed them, and they immediately respond in doubt because a, a eyes closed leader cannot see what Jesus is about to do, but an eyes open leader is looking. For all of you who are going to serve next week, and we really need your help next week. We need about 40 people to really make this thing happen next week. Eyes open. Man, that couple. We need to go encourage them and just welcome them. Oh, man, that, that, that guy looks lost. Let me go help. Eyes open. Looking for possibility. Looking. Looking for idea. Looking for the God idea in your own life and in the ministry. Eyes open. Jesus had a plan. Lastly, number three. Hard engaged. Hard engaged. Mm. Man, there's so much here. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think where to go. When you begin to serve in the process of feeding the people, you get to be a part of the miracle. Mm. 
When, when I say heart engaged, here's what I'm saying. You're not just body engaged. Well, I'm serving, I'm helping in the kids, or I'm an usher, or I'm, yeah, but Jabin's doing the real, no, 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 no. Your heart has to be engaged because, because without you, I don't get to do what I'm called to do. What good is my message if, if there isn't a greeter that can lift the spirit of someone as they walk in? What good is the message if when the parents are trying to check in their kids, it's a mess and dirty and gross and rude and how, what, what good is the, is the worship if, if, if people weren't able to find out where they were supposed to go and, and where to park and how to get in and are y'all, are y'all feeling this? So you got to get your heart engaged because you go, wow, it's just, I'm just ushering. I'm just greeting. But if you've ever walked in and I encourage you to do it, I encourage you go walk into a brand new church. Go do it Sunday. Do it while we still don't have Sundays. And just feel super uncomfortable. And you don't know where to park and you don't know where to go in. And, you, and someone comes up to you and goes, hey, brother. And it's like, oh. That will make you the best ursher we could ever want. Because you'll learn what to do and what not to do. I'm telling you. Heart engaged. The, the disciples had to change their heart and see what they were doing as a ministry to the people and to God. When you serve, let me say it again. When you serve, you become a part of the miracle. When you serve, you are a part of the move of God. When you serve, you be, by the way, move, let me just move of God people real quick for my charismaniacs. Many of you are praying for a move of God. But the people that are always praying for the move of God never serve. I've noticed this. We need a prayer meeting. Man, we would love for you to be a greeter and smile. No, I'm an intercessor. <laughs> you know, wicked witch of the west. It's like, like now pray for your move of pray for the move of God, but become a part of the move of God. <laughs> Did y'all like that witch move? I thought that was fire. I, no one on podcast can hear that, but it's, that was blazing. We need a move of God. Okay, cool. Let's become a part of the move of God. Jesus is passing out bread and fish. Go get a basket and help. So we're no longer hoping for a move of God. We're, we're, we are a move of God. We're no longer just praying for our prayers to be answered, but now we're, we're an answer to somebody's prayer. Because the people were hungry and the people were tired. So the people had a need and now the disciples could answer the need. Be a part of the need. Be a part of the answer. Be a part of the solution. And not just a part of the question and not just a part of the problem. And the Bible said this, verse 16. He kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples. As long as there's a need, there will be a flow. As long as lost people keep coming, there will be a flow. As long as we keep inviting, there will be a flow. Churches stop growing because pastors 
stop growing and then the sheep stop growing and then no one keeps inviting and, and, and people, churches hit plateaus because pastors hit plateaus. So here's what I got to make sure. I got to make sure I'm feeding and I got to make sure I'm close to Jesus and I got to make sure I'm loving my world and loving my wife and loving my family and loving you. And if I'll do that, that will get on you. And then if you'll do that, that'll reach the world. And it, whoa, man, I feel Jesus. Come on, clap your hands, everybody. Come on. As long as there was a need, there was a flow. And there's a big need. There's 20, there's 2.2 million people in our region. There's a need. So we've got to connect to the need. And we've got to connect to the source. And if we'll have, if we'll have one hand in heaven... Saying, Holy Spirit, pour out your power. Holy Spirit, we need your anointing. Holy Spirit, we need a move of God. And if we'll have one hand in heaven calling on God, and if we'll put another hand in hell saying, you're not going. You're, we're, we're snatching you out. You're not going today. You're not giving up today. You're not dying today. You're not quitting today. You're not leaving your marriage today. You're not quitting. You're not committing suicide today. You're not going back on drugs today. And if we'll have one hand in heaven, one hand in hell, there will always be a flow of bread. Jamin, I need a word. Then keep bringing people. Because if you'll keep bringing people, God will make sure I have a word for them. But he will not give me a word for fat, lazy, spiritually obese Christians that have heard every revelation on TBN. But I've been listening to this preacher and I've been, then listen to them. Man, I have an attitude tonight. Hallelujah. I feel good. This is my last one. I'll just go for it. You're like, you've been so nice for three months. I know. No. Listen. Because if, if we'll bring the people, Jesus will make sure the bread flows. Jesus will make sure the meat flows. Jesus will make sure the source flows. Jesus will make sure it keeps happening. He will bless. He will break. He will multiply. But we can't see people as a problem. Can't see this whole thing as something to solve. We're not messiahs. We can't get a messiah complex. We can't be fixers. We're servants. And then he said this. He said, this is only going to flow within structure. Sit them down in groups of 50. Structure. Our heart must be engaged to structure. Our miracles begin to flow in structure. God begins to move in structure. And so we're going we're gonna to be, a, we're, we're a spirit-led church. And I'm, a, I'm a Holy Ghost preacher. I can't be anything else. That's all I know. But we can also create structure so that it's easy for the people to receive. Because imagine that if the people were not in groups of 50, just imagine the pandemonium that would have broken loose. Imagine the riots that would have broken out. Imagine the trampling that would have happened. Imagine the violence. So if, if we'll say yes to the structure of heaven and to authority. I'm not talking about my authority, by the way. I'm not talking about do what I say. I'm talking about if, we'll, if we will all create a structure that can then house the move of God. Jesus will bring... The multitudes. And, and notice the flow did not begin till there was structure. There was a need but no flow. 
There was a need but no provision. There was a need but no blessing because it wasn't until there's a structure that he blessed. There was a need but no multiplication. There had to be a structure. And, and here's what I would say. If I'm not your pastor, then go find a structure. Go find a home and help build that thing. But if I am your pastor, then let's build this thing together. I need you to serve. I'm just being honest with you. I need you to serve. Because we can't do it. I can't do it without you. I think we need each other. For whatever reason, God put a grace on my life. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget being 15. And my dad looked at me and said, man, you just have this unbelievable understanding of the word. And like in, in total, like just casual, you know, like he didn't realize he was like speaking destiny over me. He's like, hey, you're probably called to be a preacher. You know, I'll never forget that. Driving in his little Toyota truck, like, like a V2, <laughs> like not even a V, just, you know, those old little Toyotas. You know? I'll never forget that. So I, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny what's on my life, but I'm also not going to deny your importance. We need each other. Because I can't greet every person. I can't meet every person. I can't lead every person. I can't be in every small group. I can't, I can't be at every... I, I, all I can do is, is be absolutely faithful to what God has put on my life. The gift that God's put on my life. And if, and if I'll be faithful to that, and if you'll be faithful to that, there's this structure that's built. Now this happened in Acts 6 and I'm done. There was a group of women and, and different people that were not being able to get food because the church was growing. It was thriving. I mean, they were tongue-talking, hand-clapping, foot-stomping. I mean, it was, it was powerful Pentecost, beautiful services. The church was expanding and growing. There was an absolute breakthrough on every level. But in chapter 6 of, of the book of Acts, the Bible said that they needed structure. So here was the apostles' response. We must continue to pray, continue to study, and continue to fast. That, that is what God has put on our life as, as pastors, apostles, whatever you want to call me, and, and call me Jabin, please, okay? I don't need a title. But that's what's on my life. So what I have to be faithful to do is love my wife, love my family, devour this book, help people, encourage people, pray like a man dying, Seek God, get a word from God. And the apostle said, that's what we got to do. And then they said, and then raise up deacons, good men, full of the Holy Ghost, with great character, and let those people serve the people. And in that structure, the church was able to continue to grow. So I, I just tell you, I can't, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to be so faithful to this book. I'm going to love my wife like crazy. I'm going to walk in integrity and purity. I'm not going to get caught up in dumb things. I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to open my, my life to the devil. I'm not going to open doors to Satan. I have a high accountability system in my life, and I'm going to live that way. I'm going to live pure. But then I need old school deacons. We, don't, we, we, we call them volunteers. <laughs> and, I, and I need you. It's 8.14. I told you I'd be done at 8.15. i got to be done. And if we'll do this thing together, we can help a lot of people. We can help a lot of people. We can help a lot of people.
Because there's a lot of people who need help. Jamin, how big should our church be? It should be as big as this city. What should our church look like? It should look multicultural because our city's multicultural. Jamin, what should our, should our church be creative? Absolutely, because our city's creative. Jamin, should our church be traditional? Absolutely not, because our city is not traditional. Jamin, should our church be cutting edge? Sure, because our city's cutting edge. Because I believe we should mirror each other. We're not, we're not a city that hates the city, but rather we're a city in the city. In the world, not of the world, as Dr. Graham said. Helping people. Serving people. And then in that, gifts are released. Because if you'll, if you'll remember, Stephen did not start as a preacher. I'm just giving you some Acts history now. I told you all to read the book of Acts. Stephen did not, ser- did not start as a preacher. He started by serving food. Well, Jamin, I'm called to preach, but can you pick up a chair? Because if you can't move a chair, you can't preach. <laughs> Jamin, what was your first job in the ministry? What was your first job? When, when a church hired you, did they, did they hire you to preach? Did they hire you to lead worship? Did they hire you? I was a janitor. And I cleaned bathrooms. Nasty, y'all nasty. We all nasty. You don't realize how dirty a public bathroom is till it's just you in the bathroom. Turn up, here we go. I think God saw that. I don't think I'm here today because I cleaned a bathroom. But I do think it helped me. I think I have better character because I did it. I think I I have better character today because I had to confront some nasty urinals and throw out some crazy trash and mop some dirty floors. Does that make sense? I think I'm, I think I'm better today because I did it. I don't think I'm here today because I did it, but I know I'm better today because I picked up a chair because I got early because I got there early and I stayed late and I said, how can I help? What can I do? And Stephen becomes the first martyr of our, of, of our church, of the Christian church. Stephen becomes a hero in the gospel. Stephen becomes the, the man that literally got Jesus off his throne to stand in a standing ovation. Stephen preached a glorious gospel as stones are being thrown at him and as he's dying. I don't know what your purpose is, but I know where it starts. It starts by serving the house of God. Let's do it together. There's multitudes. There's multitudes. And I know, and I know this. I know Jesus has bread and Jesus has fish. And I know Jesus is not just going to rain down bread and fish in our city. I know he'll do this. I know if we'll become available, he'll give it to us. And we'll help people. And we'll give it to people. And there will be so much overflow that there's basketfuls left over. Because that multiplication gets on you. Gets on your life, gets on your finances, it gets on your marriage, it gets on your business. Why are you so blessed? Because I give my life away. Why are you so blessed? Because I died. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Why are you so blessed? Because I live with an open hand. Why are you so blessed? Because the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Because those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. 
Why are you so, why are you so blessed? Because, because as long as the earth remains, there's going to be seed time and harvest. And I'm a, and I'm a seed sower. And because of that, I'm a harvester of God's blessing. Why are you so blessed? Because, because I believe that what, whatever I sow into the spirit is going to come back as a harvest of righteousness. Why are you so blessed? Because, because if I will give generously, I will reap generously. I'm not just talking about finances, friend. I'm talking about every area of our life. God is so good. Think about this and I'm done. I'm done. That's my fifth. I'm done. Preachers are allowed 10, but I'm only going to take five. I'm done. Jesus puts a gift on your life. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it, but it's a total blessing to you. You then use that gift to bless others. And then he blesses you for using the gift he gave you in the first place. It wasn't my idea to preach or sing. God gave me a gift. I then gave that thing to God. And now God blesses me for giving it to him, though it wasn't mine in the first place. That is so grace, it's not even funny. That is the kingdom. That is the king. Imagine, Jeff, if I gave you a million dollars and you went and used it. I came back a year later. I'm like, what have you done with that million? You're like, I used it. I say, man, I'm so happy you used it. Here's another million. That's, that'll work. If I had a million, I'd give it to you, but I don't. So I'm just going to give you a, <laughs> not even close. We're not even in the universe. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? This is the kingdom of God. Jamin, what the heck are you talking about tonight? Listen, let's serve. Let's serve the church. Serve each other. Let's serve our spouses. Let's serve our kids. Let's serve our parents. Let's serve our world. Uh, if you've never filled out one of these applications, and tonight you would say, uh, where are they? 